everyone, and welcome to Something in the Crumbs. <laughs> I am Unsung Kim, and I'm Kim Wen. And today we have a very special guest that we're excited about. Um, we are hosting William C. Anderson, the amazing writer, organizer, activist. Extraordinary. Yeah. And what you don't know about William is actually he is like a K film, I don't know, a connoisseur, historian. Like, William has watched them all. I don't think he wants to call himself a historian. I don't think that's right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's avoid that term. So uh, he's a Leo who's very interested in K film. <laughs> so even though you might know William because of his amazing writing and other um, activities, you probably don't know that he knows a lot about K film. I mean, I, I think I know. I think I know my fair share. You're giving me a lot of credit right now. I, I feel like it's an accurate assessment. <laughs> when did you? We'll see in a second. When did you start watching tape films, William? Um, I'd say maybe three years ago or more. Um, I started watching a lot of um, international films because I started getting pretty fed up with U.S. cinema. I felt like it was really repetitive. I felt like the acting was really boring. I felt like the themes were very predictable. Um, and so I started looking elsewhere. And I should also say that like, I grew up in a very, very um, strong like film household. So my parents had probably around, I'd say like three or 400 VHS tapes. And oh, they, really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. As a kid, like my parents had this entertainment center with this huge TV on top of it. And in this like entertainment center, there was like a storage space and it was just filled to the brim with VHS tapes, hundreds of VHS tapes. And so we'd watch films together and I grew up watching films with my parents. Um, and, you know, I saw like The Godfather and Scarface and A Time to Kill and like a lot of movies like at a very young age. So my mother and my father instilled in me this like appreciation for film. But at the same time, they also really taught me how to read film in this way where I would watch, um, I would watch movies and I would see my parents be like, this is going to happen. Now that's going to happen. This is, they would predict film constantly. So I would end up getting um, this sort of insight into the tropes and into the um, themes that always kind of played out over and over again in Hollywood. So I kind of like had that put in me from my childhood. And now as an adult, it's obviously like, you know, a lot of times very boring to watch U.S. films because they're very predictable and it's stuff that I've been seeing over and over and over since I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what we could spend like multiple podcast episodes talking about 
the fact that um, Hollywood really makes like it's not like trash because I actually kind of sometimes enjoy trash TV. It's like they make what they make is boring and they they make things that are like lackluster and the characters are lackluster. The plot lines are boring. It's like, it's not even that it's like politically just, you know, fascism that that like that's what they make. But it's just like what's there like the there's like it's not love it's not romance it's not sexy i don't even know what it is um so puritan (laughs) (laughs) you just basically described puritan television sounds like oxymoron but it's true um i mean that's the thing there i think we've talked we've touched upon this um over several of our episodes you know where we talk about consumption and ratings and the things that people want to watch. And it's always, it's so funny to us. I think that um, so much of us television just lacks that kind of dimension. And I think it's a real reflection on, you know, like in terms of like what people desire, you know, it's like, they don't actually, they don't want the kind of complexity. They don't want this sort of um, these narratives that sometimes are, uh, irresolute you know or something like I think that there's there's always like a very neat bow and it's it's always it's a story that we don't always want to um follow or because we already know it you know and I think or relive it in some way and and so I think that's why it's like seeking out some of these um other films other television other like modes of narrative I think and other ways of like I think portraying characters which I think has been really important to probably all of us as we watch um, a number of these, a number of these uh, dramas. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the films that kind of started you into the, um, got you into the K-drama loop? And I should also preface for our listeners that we are going to focus on one uh, movie and that is called A Man and a Woman. But we also wanted to like just trash talk Hollywood for a sec. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I want to give you credit. Like you've been like such a guiding light. Um, you were uh, the person who really showed me like how amazing the world of uh, Korean film is. So I think the first movie you recommended to me what was the first movie you recommended? It was to the me? anarchist. You definitely, uh, it was the anarchist in uh, the anarchist. Anarchist who, from Colony. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of my favorite films now, ever. Like it was that was you know such a good way to start because that film was magnificent, and I'm a huge fan of historical drama. So um, watching that film really like just sent me into this like oh my god this frenzy like i have to watch as many korean films as possible and um yeah like watching it was amazing and then i watched you know some of the classics um i definitely need to watch uh train to busan but like i'm just gonna be real with you like i struggle with zombie movies generally speaking so like I, I have to get to a place where I'm ready ready for that. Oh no! Um, During the pandemic, don't you think that? Do you think you'll ever be ready for a zombie film? I mean, it's the right time. It's <laughs> I don't know. Like... Yeah, like 
it's 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 definitely like uh something i need to prioritize i've um is it is memoirs memoirs of murder yeah uh for sure was was definitely a fantastic film um i've watched a lot of films that are uh particularly um focused on like ancient times so you know we can we can get into that too but like that's that's also one of my one of my favorite things to do like i think the admiral is that is that the name of the film about this legendary um commander navy commander it was really fascinating um i think it was called the admiral i have to look it up but there was another one about uh this about the tailor um and you're you're looking at me. You don't you don't watch any of these. Do you? No, I I definitely saw the tailor, <laughs> and I thought it was like so dramatic in this way that like it's about a tailor who like basically tries to use like clothing as some kind of anti monarchy subversive protest. Kim, but I'm like. I think this is funny, and I think it should be clear that, like, I can't really be credited because William watches all of these K films. Like, I think one (laughs) clear example that I told Kim was that you and my brother were both telling me to watch The Fortress. You were like, this movie is amazing. And I actually can't watch too many historical dramas from any nation state because there are too many men. Because historically, yeah. that's quote unquote accurate, but like, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of men talking to each other. It's like, I mean, yeah, you lost me at Admiral. <laughs> Admiral. <laughs> I, was like, I, mean, I mean, like, also watch Burning, of course, if we want to bring it back up a little bit, mm. you know, more recent. I watched Burning, I loved Burning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, obviously loved Parasite. Um, I love A Taxi Driver. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, let me. Uh, what was that film that you recommended to me? That was about the woman, like assassin. Um, it was only okay though. I didn't. Oh yeah. I can't um, think of I do remember because it's the woman with um, Kimizu. She's like this sort of like second in command assassin, who like, and this like other assassin gangster likes her, mm-hmm. and it's this very strange like, love plot, Kim. That like is really like misogynistic in some ways, but like bizarre in other ways because it's about like two middle-aged people who are gangsters or assassins or both who like (laughs) where like one likes the other but like they're both middle-aged so they're like way too gone in their repression to kind of you know fully reject or accept and so more murders ensue and then the film ends um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I liked it though. And the, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> like it was. It was all right. That that one was all right. Um, I wa- the most recent one I watched was uh, Assassination, and it was uh, it was I think the one of the highest grossing grossing films, um, uh, for sure in like in the country's history for sure. So there is like a wide range of like you know 
Three Iron. I remember watching Three Iron too. Um, that film was was different, and um, you know, I saw that it was a, a lot more hyped than you know I felt that it was. To be honest with you, totally. So it was, yeah. Uh, you know, interesting. Um, it's a Kim Gi-duk film, Three Iron. Uh, so, like, he's the guy who was accused of um, sexual assault, like, of sexually assaulting his actresses. But I think if you watch his films, you can... His films all revolve around, like, sexual assault, but, like, the woman eventually liking the sexual assault. So it's, like, the whole... It's just, like, sorry, I should have... I'll, I'll, I'll put, like, a trigger warning in the in the notes or something. Um, so, yeah, he's... He, I think, like, his films are... They, they're in this really strange area where they're actually shitty. I think most of his films are really bad. Like, they're bad films, and they're poorly constructed, but... He plays in this like art house space, uh, and I think enough like French people have sort of liked them or something. So like, there's this kind of like clout above clout thing that has happened to him, um, which is predictable, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a story we're very familiar with in many different forms of aesthetic legitimization of bad behavior right absolutely um yeah i mean i didn't i didn't really know um much about that until after i watched that film and you told me um and i didn't think the film was you know that good i was kind of like i saw these like rave reviews and i was kind of like oh well Okay, you know, um, but that does bring up an interesting point, and this is something I mentioned to you before, um, is that uh, there is like, you know, no escape when it comes to violence against women in film, like, and there is just like no safe haven, and so noticing that in these films is. Um, it's pretty, you know, it's just consistent. It's like, there's so much there, you know, there's like, there's so many times where I'm just like, what, like, what was, you know, like, what is, this is, you know, so unnecessary, you know? And so, yeah, it doesn't matter where you go. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you go. It's like always going to be there. Like always. Well, I actually want to say, um, that's a perfect segue into the film we're going to talk about today, a man and a woman, because I think that and I like I like started writing an essay about this and gave up but who knows um so this director Yi Yoongi is like really interesting because he made his first film is a film that I really loved um and in Korean it was called like or like the more direct translation of the film is um woman comma Tonghe but like the English translation is this charming girl. And the film is about uh, a girl, a postal worker. And just it centers how she lives alone and that something did happen to her. There was a some, some there was an act of violence um, where she like was a is a survivor of violence. But 
the images regarding the violence are just they're never shown like that you don't see them but you see like the wall like you, you like see her kind of flashback memory to like this the space of like the empty room so as a director i've been really interested in him because he's made pretty much all of the films that he's made are films where the main character is a woman and she gets a lot of um space like just like dead time space where she's just like thinking and you literally get to see the room and the space and the memory through her perspective and from her perspective like what she saw in that moment was like the wall like it's not like she saw anything else like you don't see the violence happening to her like you just see like what she saw his films are like very consistently a space where i feel like the lead female character receives a lot of space from her perspective, which I did think also happened in this film. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's like having something that we, I feel like we're always kind of gravitating towards is like a female character that isn't merely used as a prop in terms of um, like trying to create narrative development for like a different character. Yeah. Um, I think we... We're, we've talked about it just actually in a recent episode um, on Hyena where it was sort of like they couldn't they couldn't create a type of sympathy for the male character without diminishing the female character in some way and like making her seem really shitty in terms of making him then feel like um, someone that we should feel sorry for in some, in some way and that you know, and that just felt really like you can't create that in any other way. Like you can't generate sympathy for this man without harming this woman, basically. And so I think that that's like, you know, what you were saying, William, too, about just like that violence towards women, too, where it, it comes in so many manifestations, right? Where it's like actual, like, you know, physical, aggressive violence, but then how these characters are written in a way that is purely just as prop or as like something to then like push along some other narrative to make someone else seem better actually or to make someone else seem like they're full as a person and have interiority and that and that is like a different kind of violence but it's definitely one that we see quite often and so see when you encounter something where um someone just has a bit more dimension and kind of depth to them which i think this female character in this film um definitely has but i think that they're both like very i think they they use each other in other ways, I think um, maybe maybe it's a different kind of story in which they are actually like mutually using each other to kind of develop um, their own sort of understanding of themselves. Somehow. Do you two want to give the listeners a synopsis of the film, Kim or William? I mean, yeah, I mean, I can talk a little bit about like the the over overarching themes in my opinion. I think that like. So when I watched this film, um, I think the reason I liked it so much was because I felt like it had a certain depth that I um, find lacking in a lot of like romance films. And I think the, the, the reason that it has that depth is because um, it really delves into both of the, uh, you know, main protagonists' lives in the sense that 
you get to know this woman and you get to know this man and you get to know their relationships. You get to know their kids. You get to know kind of how they relate um, to their respective lives. And so they meet um, getting ready to send their kids off to a camp um, for children who have disabilities. And uh, they talk to each other and kind of like this uh, kind of random way, like, you know, uh, he's like, he sees her and he's like, hey, you Korean? And she's like, you know, yeah. And um, <laughs> well, so. and she's more like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's not like she's like, I am. You too? She's like, yeah. Like, well, also, yeah. they're in Finland. So her being Korean and him being Korean yeah. is kind of, could be like a, yes like moment and she's just like "Uh uh-huh like yeah and they're in a very isolated snowy place um as well the environment's very uh so when they um connect in that sense they uh start kind of slowly gravitating toward each other the beginning of the movie creeps pretty pretty um, intensely in the sense that there's no like immediate chemistry. It's like, she's almost kind of sarcastic and slightly condescending towards him. Uh, And he's trying to really uh, kind of make it a little bit more lighthearted with her team. They decide to venture off and, you know, go see where the kids are um, at after they, you know, after the kids depart on this bus, uh, she's very worried. She's concerned about, like, being alone away from her child, so they, um, from her son, so they go off to kind of sneak and, like, spy a little bit, I guess, on where the kids are staying just to make sure that they're good. And um, once they they do that, they decide, um, you know, okay, this is fine. And they end up getting stuck together because of a blizzard. And the blizzard, you know, has them in this uh, situation where they're staying at this kind of... Yeah, (laughs) and it's it's definitely a sexy blizzard. So, (laughs) yeah, they stay at this lodge. (laughs) And they they have their own room, and then they, like, go for a walk and, you know, happen across this... uh, this sauna. sauna, right? Yeah, the sauna. And In the then, middle of the woods. You know, I think, is this like a common thing? As, as any, what do we know about Nordic countries? Because I feel like I've watched several. <laughs> this is all I know of Nord, this, this tells you a lot. I know about Nordic countries via their depictions in Korean dramas. <laughs> I've watched multiple dramas where they're in Nordic countries and then there's some sexy spa times. <laughs> Sexy yeah. and spa times actually. So yeah. yeah, I mean the the yeah, so they they end up um having sex in this this uh sauna after they have like a you know, a few they have a few deep conversations before then. You know, they had the conversation at the lodge. Um she she was talking about, you know, missing home and being away from her child and you know, they connected around their they connect around their children a lot, and they, I think that they connect a lot around like concern and care for their children, um, and you know, and they're in a unique situation together um, with that 
you know, with regard to that. And then after they sleep together in the sauna, they have this, you know, this uh, sort of like, okay, like from there they go back and they depart ways without even knowing one another's name, which is fascinating to me. I found that slightly hard to believe, not going to lie, because I just don't ever see some that much interaction happening without somebody being like, you have to tell me your name. Well, he does, you know, like, he does tell her, he's like, I don't know your name and like tries to get, you know, like ask another time. And she just sort of brushes him off. And I was like, is this like supposed to be the most romantic one night stand? Or is it just like such a way of like being like, no, no, no. She thought this was a one night stand. What do you think, Kim? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think she definitely thought it was a one-night stand. Actually, it's It actually continues on, right, where I think she is more resistant um, to it, and he kind of just keeps appearing. He's more persistent, you know, like he'll just kind of show up and, like, um, show up at her work. And I think he's um, personable enough in a way that she, – and she's also just – she has this kind of underlying attraction that she can't quite stop herself. And so I think that – what could sometimes also seem very off-putting, you know, because you're like, dude, I told you, like, we don't know each other. Why do you keep showing up at my work? <laughs> but then she's also like, okay, I'm going to get in your car and we're going to go for lunch for sure, you know? <laughs> and I think it's actually that she, I, I, it's actually very believable to me um, lead up to how, like, this affair would kind of happen, you know? Like, I think that we often see these depictions of affairs as being like really dramatic and that there's like a very like decisive, like I'm cheating on you kind of thing. And it's like, actually I think that it, it's very realistic that something happens, you're attracted to each other. You don't know how to stop seeing each other and it just, it is, you know, and then it starts to happen this way. And I think in the same way that it's almost kind of banal how it starts, it's banal how it ends in the same way. And so, um, I think that, but throughout the whole thing, I think she's always the one that's kind of a little bit, like, more in control somehow of the situation. I don't know. What do you guys think? She definitely, she definitely has her, uh, she has her guard up in, in uh, um, multiple ways. And I think that she has to really actively work on allowing herself to to like let this man get closer to her and i mean let's be honest i mean like he's a man so like that's that's basic right but at the same time it's like you know on top of that he's a man who has a family who is also in a situation that has a lot of parallels to her situation so she knows how much is at risk um, on top of him just being a man and that being the risk. So I think that, I think that, you know, it's, it's like, it's work for her to, to say like, okay, like, let me be comfortable. Let me relax. Like, let me, um, enjoy like getting to know this person. And maybe we should give a bit of background about their family yeah. lives. Um, they, spoiler alert, they're both married. Um, they're both married. She is married to 
I don't know, he's a bit of a nothing burger dude. Um, they have no real kind of chemistry together. They seem like they have almost a very transactional kind of relationship. But I think the stress of um, caring for their son, um, they seem to not really agree always on like the parenting strategies, which creates um, separation between them. She feels, you know, overworked and kind of overwhelmed by it and um, is doing a lot of the emotional labor, I think. Um, and so feels very alone in her relationship. He is in, uh, he's married to a woman that's significantly younger than him. Um, but she, his wife is, um, she suffers from like depression and she's got some other things going on um, that he ends up, I think, because of the age difference and because of um, her issues, he ends up uh, being almost more like a guardian type to her. And they also have a young child. So they are both in these relationships that are not really ones of equal partnership or really romance um, in any way. Yeah, Kim's note for for their relationships was, if your relationship is a type of duty with no love, that's a real tombstone. That was her. That was her description of their marriages. So it's it's. I think it's like they have they're in relationships that are transactional and or almost guardianships, yeah. and then they are raising children with um, raising children, which is like difficult enough as it is, but raising children. Um, in Korea, uh, where, you know, people with disabilities have a very difficult time navigating the systems, education systems, and societal systems and so forth. So uh, I think that there's a lot kind of structurally set out to show you how complicated their lives are. Um, they are clearly both from upper, they're both like upper class-ish. And... I thought that that was kind of important because I think it, it is trying to lay out that, um, well, the, like they're both people of means and so like they're going to go to Finland and like try out this camp and try out, you know, they have like tutors and other people that come to, to help them navigate these lives. So that's not going to be something that the film really takes up, like issues of class. So though I know like the director has dealt with this in other spaces, um, but this one really seems to be like about their interiority and about like the overall sort of, um, I don't know, I keep using the word lonely, but it's like the sort of this strange space that occupies our lives that it, that's very big this vacancy is that the word mm. we would use vacancy is a good word it's actually you know what i i found kind of interesting is that we we get enough information to kind of understand that they are unfulfilled in their lives which you know but it, it's not as if the film spends um so much time actually developing and like it's like it's not like we we see like scene upon scene of like her with her kind of husband that she has no chemistry with it's like well we get it you know and it, it actually there's most of the film is kind of like their their time together um their like rendezvous the different kinds of like meetings they have or like them by themselves kind of contemplating being together again and i think it's actually in that way cinematically 
it really functions a lot like the kind of escapism or like almost like interlude or something that is reflective of how they're experiencing it too. Um, so it's, it's not entirely giving us like completely a full picture of what's going on with them, but it actually just encapsulates their relationship with each other, I think, in an interesting way. And I did think... Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to add that I thought it was an interesting note that when she speaks to her husband, she speaks to him, she uses like uh, formal language, right? Like, so she's almost like the few scenes that we have, like her on the phone, so forth, like she's speaking to him like formally. And I think like you're supposed to sort of feel the distance or feel like the tradition of their kind of interaction or like the supposed yeah. tra tradition, um, the sort of duty that is bound up to these relationships versus like with him, she's dismissive, she's condescending, she's like a little bit playful sometimes. And um, and then they're intimate. Um, so Kim yeah. texted me and was like, wow, there's a lot of sexing in this film. <laughs> goes on yeah. look we're like deep in k-drama town i <laughs> i am like so like i'm just like whoa i don't like this is like a lot of sexing like i am not used to this <laughs> you're like is there a back hug like, like where's the aggressive back hug and i'm like i don't understand literally you're humping and it's like 20 minutes in i'm like whoa this is too much for me right now <laughs> i'm like and then i said to you that i was like oh well, maybe I only watch things for character development and not for sex things. So I'm also like, wow, what's happening? We don't even know you yet. <laughs> um, you know what, though? Like, I, I appreciate, like, I appreciate the intimacy so much. Like, I appreciate that so much because, like, it, again, that's one of my issues with, like, Hollywood. Is it just, like, the sex scenes, the intimacy is horrible it's horrible and i'm not saying it's it's never horrible in like korean films or tv or anything i'm just saying that like compared compared to hollywood like it's a breath of fresh air because it's just like it's actually believable and it's and it's also like it's also not like predictable in this in the sense that it like it's always completely centering um the man as someone giving pleasure or like receiving pleasure like it's it's actually there's actually more to it than that so i i i appreciate that but also to the point you were just making a song like it was like pretty it was pretty like wild to me that like when you start to kind of see her character throughout throughout the film she becomes more um i think more like the, if she's let me let me try to figure out how to say what i'm trying to say okay so when you watch this film you can see that this um affair for her is very much a vacation and that speaks to the traveling aspect, right? Of them seeing each other when they're traveling. This is like a vacation. And also when you think of it, their affair as a getaway, um, it also talks 
you know, it also speaks a little bit to the the gender aspect of like the labor she's putting in in her marriage. I feel like she's just like, I need a vacation, I need a break, I need a getaway, um, and I need something that is going to allow me to feel good that doesn't have to do with like all of this work that I have to do and all of this worry and all of this concern that I carry around. So I think that for her, um, that's definitely a huge aspect of what motivates her to keep taking all these risks. Well, the name of the store that she runs, her clothing store, is called Surreal But Nice. <laughs> I feel like that really encapsulates what you're talking about. We need a screenshot of that. Definitely. And we need to just, like, put print it on things and frame it. Um, but not to, not to just, like, fixate on the sex scenes too much. But <laughs> because William and I have, like, talked about this, a little bit and Kim and I have talked about this too is like I do think that there is something about like the way that they interact with each other in this film but also just that some Korean films do where like it's like sex is like it's like there's pleasure but there's also like so much intimacy that happens and so much like actually getting to know the person like you actually it it seems like they're sort of getting to know each other and like they're like looking at each other you know like they like touch each other and it's not like things happen really fast and then like you sort of there's like hair in the air and and then cut to the music and that's out like it's just like things are slow and you know, like the first time they had sex, like they kind of started and then they stopped and then like he stopped and then like it like like the tempo of it is like it, yeah. it's a little bit like like people they're like checking in on each other, you know, like she stopped yeah. and then he sort of noticed that like she wasn't as into it or he like wanted to double check. So then like they just like laid in the sauna in the middle of the woods together for a little bit and then yeah. and then as you do as you do in finland as you do in finland. yeah <laughs> like and and fully clothed i should say at that point and then and yeah, then there's she, a lot of layers it's winter I, know, I was like how hot is this sauna like are they okay it wasn't that hot it wasn't that hot <laughs> was it an abandoned sauna maybe it was like an abandoned sauna no, somebody had been there. Remember when he first oh, went in? Oh, that's right. Like, that's right. Somebody just left. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was like um, public sex then, you guys. Like we oh, wow. did not think Whoa. of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But I'll then, like, <laughs> but then after she stops and they sort of lay there, she then thinks about things and like you, you know, it's not like ten seconds passes. Like I think like a full like moment passes. And, like, for whatever reason, she, like, decides that she's going to do a few more things. So so I think, like, the, the pacing is really different. I think the pacing throughout this film um, is the kind of pacing I really like in films where it seems like everybody has a little bit more time, even if it's not, like, time that's filled with stuff. Yeah, I think that it's actually that they, in terms of the pacing, it's, it's as, it reflects really well, I think, that 
there's kinds of like repression that happens, you know, and that we don't always realize it. And I think that like we see the discovery, you know, where, where like when she, I think she says at one point, like after when they stopped having sex and then, you know, I think when they wake up or something, she was just like, I just actually felt really happy all of a sudden, you know? And like, I think it's like these realizations of certain emotions or these feelings that just like whoa like it's basically like buried so deep inside you that you didn't even know it existed and then suddenly when it's like brought to light again and it's like oh i like i want to pursue this actually i want more of this but it's like it's almost something that they've already completely forgotten and so this film i think it's like so much of them just like slowly discovering these things again about themselves because they've just sort of repressed them so much in their relationships and that's very real. Like that's that's that very that's very real uh, and true to life to have uh, this sort of experience. And I think that that's why after I watched it um, initially the first time I saw it, I think that that's why it was like one of my favorite, you know, romances that I'd ever seen because it just felt a lot more sincere um, than a lot of other films in the genre. And, you know, maybe maybe one of my biggest critiques of this film is um, the score. I would actually change the music quite a bit. Um, when I first watched this film, I felt pretty, um, pretty certain that I was going to turn it off within the first, I think, 15 minutes or so, because the piano music to me was very very cheesy i just like i did not like it you're not watching enough (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm i'm not gonna lie like i've turned some off because of piano music i've I've been there before that's what i'm saying this was about to happen again i was like oh here we go with this piano and um it's just you know i don't i don't want to be disrespectful but it's just kind of like i i was like I just was like not feeling it. And music is definitely such an important part of setting uh, the tone and the mood for for a film. But in this sense, um, I think that what it does is um, it feels manipulative at times. And so when I'm watching a film, if I'm gonna feel sad, a lot of times I wanna feel sad because the scene is making me feel sad without the assistance of music. Um, I wanna feel angry or scared or anxious because there's the acting is good enough, it's strong enough, the story is strong enough to make me feel those ways without too much work from the music. Sometimes music can feel overbearing and it can um, actually take away from the authenticity of a scene. So there were times in this film where I was like, this piano music, come on, y'all. You know, like, what's up? I did not know that that was going to be your critique of this film. I thought you were going to say something about the fact that, spoiler alert, she leaves her husband to, I don't know if you would say for him, but she leaves her husband to try something else. And he does not meet her and he does not leave his family. I thought like, because I actually feel, I don't know how to feel about this, but I do feel critical, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah, that's a critique too. Um, That's one of, one of my critiques, but it's like, 
I said that one of my biggest critiques. <laughs> that that would be among them. Um, second but second music, to the piano. Music, that music is a, is a problem for me. I'm just not. I'm just not gonna lie. Like it was the first. It was, the reason I say it's probably my biggest critique. And I don't even want to rank them. It's just a big critique. But the reason I say that is because um, it just it just like almost made me turn the movie off. Like it almost made me because I'm a person that's very whether it's like I'm listening to a new album or if I'm watching a new film or whatever the case may be. Like a lot of times, I'm one of those people who, if I don't feel drawn in at a certain point, I turn things off. Like, I'm just like, I'm good. Like, because I feel like I'm very respectful of my own time in that way. Like, I don't ever want to, like, force myself to do something I'm not enjoying or I know that I'm not going to enjoy. Um, unless I, like, spend a lot of money or, <laughs> like, put a lot of effort into something, maybe then, but otherwise, no. Yeah, so what do we make of the fact? What do we make of the end? Well, what do we do with this affair? What do you think about this? But also, what do you think of its conclusion? Mm, I think that um, I think that it felt uh, typical, honestly. And I don't mean predictable. I mean, I think it felt typical based on, uh, again, the gendered aspect of... Uh, their relationship. Uh, I was kind of hoping as I watched this film that they would kind of just say, hey, we're going to be together and we're going to figure it out. Um, because they, it did feel like they had a nice little thing. Like, you know, it did feel... Surreal but nice. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there it is. You know? <laughs> I know. It's like, I know. it was. It was. It was it was nice. That like, GD piano music made you believe this is what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it is it is an interesting. I mean, it's like a very typical kind of narrative too, where like he pursues her more, and then of course he's the one that doesn't leave. You know, he's the one that doesn't leave his family in the end. Basically, like keeps pushing to also like, yes, let's do this. I'm into this. I'm committed to this. Sure. But also there's never really very open, like acknowledgement of that commitment, except for, I think for her, when she is like leaving, you know, late at night and her husband's like, where are you going? Do you have a lover or something? And she's like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. And if I don't see him, I'm going to die. So he's out and then she just leaves and you're like, whoa, wow, like no hesitation. And I think that's a moment, like, I don't think we see that in any like form for him, you know, like he never actually like stands up in his relationship. And I think it's, yeah, it, it says a lot about him. It says a lot about men too. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it say? That was a powerful thing. That was a yeah. powerful thing. Yeah. That, that was so powerful. But Kim, what do you mean? It says a lot about men. Same more. Same more, Kim. I mean, I think we know what it says about men. You know, I think that, like, the, like the, you know, it's, it's cowardly. I mean, it's incredibly cowardly. Like, I think that he, he does, like, he really actively pursues her a lot, like, through this film, you know, like, where he's like, I'll drive you. I'll drive you to Poussin or whatever. And she's like, what? Like, 
like no and he's like how about just at the train station and then he buys a ticket and takes the train with her and like you know like he does these things and you're like what do you think this is other than leading someone on and kind of just like like that's how you are somehow pretending to express a kind of commitment to this and then when it actually comes to real commitment you're kind of too cowardly to do it and it's maybe inconvenient to do it and or you maybe are kind of more into the power relationship of your current mm-hmm. relationship, you know, where you take care of somebody and you're like, maybe that also makes you feel good in a kind of fucked up way. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you're hitting on some things I was going to say about him uh, as well. Like, is, is this for him some sort of like emotional conquest? Mm. You know, is this him trying to like get to a certain point where he feels like he's achieved something so he can retreat back to his, you know, to his home um, and his his uh, his marriage? Because it definitely is not matched. Like the energy is not matching. It becomes increasingly clear despite the way he puts in like this effort of pursuit at the end, you know, I mean, at the beginning. So it's just like, well, wait a minute. What was all this work you were doing in the beginning for if you were just going to be like, actually, never mind though. Yeah. Conquest. That's like the perfect word to describe it. If it was conquest for him though, like what was it for her? Like, cause she, she, ends her marriage or her marriage ends is that a loss (laughs) (laughs) no it's not a loss but it's a rupture yeah the marriage was already gone maybe like it was definitely symbolic um it was it was like appearances almost like you know and i think that uh I think that for for both of them, um, their marriages represent like an idea or like an appearance that they hope to have, like for like pub- the public facing, you know, aspects of their lives more so than it is like any sort of gratification and fulfillment that they that they actually have. And isn't that like isn't that marriage and partnership for so many people? Them just like saying I'm going to commit to this person, I'm going to be with this person so I can say I'm with somebody or that I'm in this sort of relationship or that I have this thing. Um, That really comes out in this film because it's like both of them are clearly frustrated to a point that is, you know, borderline toxic if not toxic, um, you know, and it happens in very subtle. A lot of this film is like slow. A lot of this film is slow. And it's like, just because it's happening at a slower pace doesn't mean it's not very unhealthy, the sort of relationship that they're in. Um, both of the things that they're experiencing in their marriage are just like, those are things that it's like, you either figure that stuff out or you got to get out that sort of relationship. It's not sustainable, especially when kids are involved. Like, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Um. I do think, though, that even though he's, yeah, like, I think that, like, conquest is, like, the word that I would agree with. I do think, like, the affair, it's through the affair that 
we are able to witness them, but also how much they love being witnessed by someone else. And they are not being witnessed in their partnerships for whatever reason, um, because it's not a partnership or because it's for appearances or so forth or because they're the, the caretaker. Um, and I did sort of wonder, I mean, it's so typical, like typical is this like perfect word that like the, the scene where he, she sees him at the end. So like, she's like ended her marriage and like, she kind of like looks for him and he happens to be in Finland and he's like with his family. And so she leaves, but then like, and he, you, the film shows you that he thinks about going after her. But then he looks at his daughter and is unable to go after her, which I wanted to like hear your thoughts on that because I was like, it's not like she's not committed to her son. It's not like she's not committed to her children. So what are we supposed to do with that scene? You know, like it's, yeah. What did you make of that? Like, do you think she just that was it... always a bigger risk taker? Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, Kim. What were you saying? Oh, I was just gonna say, do you think that that definitely was to kind of um, frame her uh, or like demonize the fact that she was more willing no. to cut off her family? I think that's not what I was thinking. I, at first, I was wondering if this is just really playing up like his devotion to this abstract notion of dude, uh, duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like this sort of caretaker role. Um, but then when I thought about that, I was like, it's not like she's not like she's not dedicated to her son. I mean, all you oh, see we have way more scenes of her exactly. showing her dedication to her son yeah. than him showing dedication to his daughter. So why sure. can't he leave this marriage? Not just for her, but because the marriage is dead. But like for him, he seems to be rationalizing it like I cannot leave this marriage because of this child. When it seems like she's already advanced past that argument. But like even to the end, we see him interacting with this, you know, this argument like like love for your child is duty to this marriage or something. I think also one thing um, that we might want to mention when we're thinking about him is uh or that we might want to hone in on a little bit more is that he he seems almost like he views his wife as like someone he has to take care of like a child and he has to like protect um so i think that maybe there's some aspect of this that for him is about like this sort of like paternalism he has about his marriage and his family as a whole <laughs> I mean, their relationships are very, uh, they're very stressful. Like, they have a lot of different, like, stressors in their day-to-day lives. And I think that they are just looking for something to make them feel like some sort of like high. It's like almost like the affair is a high. Like, and 
she's willing to make it something that's sustained. Like, she's like, this is actually good. Like, we should make it something consistent. Whereas he's like, this isn't practical in the end. Like, I have to go back to what I was doing because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's, yeah, I mean, that is usually how affairs are narrated, right? Like, it's like this impractical thing. And that's why one should not engage. Um, I'm not saying this because I think that one should engage in affairs. But I'm just saying, like, that is, like, the sort of moral rationale against them. That they cannot be sustained. And they cannot work out. And they're not, like, they're, they're, they're just not sustainable. And um, as both of you know, I'm a consumer of, the of many couples therapy podcasts including esther burrell's where should we begin so i've like listened to enough people talk about affairs to know like like the theory around affairs is like people have them to be like a different version of themselves to be like to be seen as like something other than like the relationship has sort of casted them as like the role has casted them as like so if he's casted as like the role of the caretaker well, he doesn't really have to take care of her. Like, I don't actually know what he does. Like, they, their roles with each other are a little bit, like, less defined. And maybe that's what's really exciting for the both of them. That um, I think it's only initially exciting for him. Mm. I think he likes the idea about, like, you know, this kind of fantasy of being free of some of these things. And he thinks that it's um, like, this is what he wants. But I think he also likes being needed in a certain kind of way or depended on or being the, you know, there is like a power thing there, right? Like in that relationship of like being a guardian or being in charge, you know, and that when it's like very obvious, I think that this, the woman that he's having an affair with does not need him in that kind of way and so i think that when that becomes clear he's less interested in it somehow or or he realizes that what he actually wants is um a different kind of power dynamic and it's not one that's like of equal balance you know like there i think there's something there because it's actually really quite interesting too at the end when you know he um, she like leaves in a taxi and then she's like on the side of the road smoking a cigarette or something with the taxi driver and then he drives by with his family and I think he sees her and maybe she doesn't notice if that's him or not but um, I think that even though like she was like prepared to be with him and like make this kind of leap I also think she probably realized that it wasn't even really about him it was just like a catalyst to also just change her life and so she's standing out there and then she's like, do you know what time it is? And the taxi driver's like, I don't know, but I can check. And she's like, it doesn't matter. You know? And it's, there's like something really interesting about that moment too, where it's like, actually it doesn't matter. It's fine. Cause you know, she had that moment with him, mm-hmm. right? Like she had that exact same moment. So it's like, so interesting that you're saying like, it's a catalyst because it's like, it's just herself marking for herself. Yeah. Like what this moment means. Um, but then what do you make of this? Like this sort of, he wants to be needed and he, so that, that, that's essentially saying like, he wants to be the person who's like more powerful in the relationship. Like, I don't know. Like, 
I don't know. Are you surprised by this? What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised by this. How many therapy podcasts have you listened to? (laughs) I've listened to too many. Too many. Um, No, I'm not surprised by this. I'm just saying, like, what do we make of it? And, like, what do we do with that reality? Ooh. <laughs> eject, eject. <laughs> what do we make of wait a minute what do we make of which aspect of it like particularly that he that what she realizes that what she wants is an entirely different situation for her life for her partnership and otherwise whether or not it's with him or it's, it's with someone else or it's not involving any of these characters and both of you are sort of suggesting what he sort of comes to understand or accept is that he wants to be needed. Like that's his yeah. desire. And then what do we make of that? Mm, I think that what I make of it is that he is again, kind of like, engaging in a, in a, in a sort of like conquest. And he's ultimately saying like, I'm here for, um, a feeling. And even though, um, even though like affairs might be based on different things, right. It might be based on, uh, sex. Um, it might be, uh, based on some sort of conflict, uh, that you're having in your, primary partnership it could be it could be based on a number of things i think for him it's based on a feeling and he kind of is slowly realizing throughout the film that he's just there he was just going to be there for a good time not a long time so Mm. there you have it you know it's just kind of like all right like i'm i'm good like I'm going to go, go back and try again uh, with my wife, which is really messed up uh, because it's unfair to everyone. And really the ways that she puts everything on the line um, to, to try to be with him shows a sort of bravery that he wasn't willing to have um, with himself, with his wife, with his child, um, you know, she's just braver than him. And he's kind he, in the end, like you kind of, you kind of are left with this, this sort of, uh, feeling that he's a coward. That's how I felt because I'm like, why would you, why would you, why would you pursue her like this? And put in all of this work to back out in a in a cowardly way and not be honest about what you were doing and like the sort of relationship that you want to have that you don't actually have. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes all of those feelings of like, oh, this might be a nice thing. Like, let's see what happens. It kind of makes you feel like, oh, what are you what are you doing, man? Like, you just wasted her time. Like. You know, maybe, you know, I I can't speak for her. Maybe she felt like it was some sort of deeper thing. But if from the outside looking in, it's like he wasted her time. Mm -hmm. 
Williams, are you into this film? Because it's another depiction of how of why men are cowards and women are really brave. Like in conclusion, like... I mean, I mean, we could talk about like some some other aspects of the film aside from their actual relationship. Like for one, the acting is phenomenal. Like the acting is actually phenomenal. Like her acting particularly is. So good. Like I, I loved um, the range that she has throughout the film. She is really good at subtlety. Like she can really capture um, the slightest, like sarcasm mixed with intrigue, or you know, she can capture, um, you know fear and arousal like she can capture these these things like in the most like accurate real way that like really draws you in and i think that he um feeds off of that like his acting feeds off of that but her her performance i thought was like really great um and really really believable uh, especially in the beginning, because in the beginning, that's when she's really hesitant. Um, and I think that to, to depict that sort of hesitancy, it takes a strong, 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 like level of acting and she brings it. So like, that's one thing that made me be like, wow, this is really good. It's also shot beautifully. Um, the shots are great. Um, the scenery is great. Um, there's a lot of uh, really high quality um, shots throughout this film that just like put you into this world that they're in. Um, this, this like beautiful, beautiful like architecture, this, these beautiful homes, these beautiful hotels, these beautiful buildings that they're in, these beautiful outfits that people are wearing, like. Um, you know, obviously, wealth is pretty disgusting, but in this particular fan- fantasy, huh. like, it's like, you're kind of drawn in, you know? Um, like, wow, this is such a beautiful beach. Disgusting yeah. seductive. <laughs> you're like, this is a beautiful beach home. Like, this is a, a beautiful dinner table. Like, look at their friends. They're having such nice time together, drinking this expensive wine, like, and you just kind of like are in that reality for a second um, in a way that you're just focused on their relationship. And, and that, that is, uh, you know, the primary concern, but you know, there's a lot of different things that make this film like really beautiful despite his being cowardly. Um, we are getting close to the end of our podcast, but I wanted to know like if, Either of you had like other thoughts that we didn't talk about. We didn't also talk about like the hot pepper paste scene in the beginning. Yeah. Right? Sure, yeah. I mean, you're in Finland. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's spicy food in Finland. I think we should describe the scene because I feel like it's such a good way to like convince someone to watch this movie. Well, I'm going to let one of y'all do that because I feel like you can do a better job than I can. You should do it on song. Um, so it's this like the most dramatic hot sauce in the bag scene where they're like <laughs> hot sauce in the bag. 
where like definitely what it reminded me of definitely reminded me of beyonce yeah it was like this really weird like i was like are you did are you plagiarizing beyonce or did this did this occur to you and you just made like the most dramatic version of this um so it's like they're having like dinner slash lunch because they're in a blizzard and they should eat something um but he's eating, so they're at this restaurant in somewhere Finland, and he's eating bland-looking bland food. And she's not really eating anything, and so he asks her about this, and she says, like, oh, I don't really like, I don't, I don't fuck with, I don't fuck with the food here. And I carry hot pepper paste in my bag, because I think it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty gross. And he's like, do you have some in your bag right now? And she's like, yeah, I do. And so she, like, takes it out of her bag, you know, like, the Korean hot pepper paste, um, the one that Korean Air sells, and she, like, gives it to him. That might be, like, the one product placement in the entire <laughs> film. And then he doesn't, like, laugh or smile. He literally just takes it and, and then squeezes just it squeezes it. <laughs> it's, like, so, the whole scene is so dramatic. I mean, it's not necessarily a funny film, but that scene in particular, I was like, this could, this is, like, hilarious, kind of. Do you think they were trying to be sexy <laughs> with that scene? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, a sexy scene gone wrong. <laughs> what do you I mean, think that also, I think that it's also, like, indicating... I think it's almost like foreshadowing, actually, because I think that her her pulling her pulling you know the sauce out is like <laughs> whoa hey, whoa I got what you need <laughs> whoa whoa, you <know>? whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's saying like I got what you need like I'm, oh I'm <laughs> I got the feeling that you're looking for we talking about he's looking for a feeling right and damn like, you know he's it's like She's saying, this is like, you know, I'm the missing ingredient. I'm holding this thing that you're looking for. Like, like he's not satisfied with his meal the way he's not satisfied with his marriage. And she's like, hey, I got what you need right here in my bag. And she gives it to him. And he's like, oh, now this is, this is, this is good. But just like the meal, it's going to come to an end eventually. And he's going to go back to, you know, what he was doing before. So. You guys, we have to mark this podcast episode like not G-rated or explicit. something. Explicit. Explicit. <laughs> These are only explicit episodes. Actually, they've all been marked explicit because we say whatever we do. We like. swear a lot. Yeah, we say whatever we want. It's just most of the everything we've talked about so far. Like at most, they boink, but like we never see them doing anything but back hug. So, because mm. that's like the main difference, I think, between K-drama and K-film is that K-film is just like one sex Whoa. scene. <laughs> that's not enough. We have like multiple extended. <laughs> and K-drama is like, okay, if we, it's 2020, I guess it'd be weird to say that they never do it, but... Let's just insinuate and just have them hold hands for 16 episodes. Yeah, like, this this film, um, 
also uh, made me think about one of uh, my favorite uh, directors, uh, probably my favorite director. His name is Asghar Fahardi. He's a Iranian director, and all of his films really center um, interpersonal drama. Whether it's like a marriage um, that you know he has, he has, I think he has a couple where that deal with affairs. Um, he has some that just deal with like family issues, like different things about like family life and relationships. That's what all of his home center and um, in Iran. And so it's happening in a, a particular cultural context where it's really amazing to see how he he works, um, how he works through things and how uh, these relationships get unpacked and shown. So this film made me think about his work. It also made me think about um, one of my other favorite uh, romance films. Well, it's not really a romance. It's more just a drama that deals with a romance that um, existed uh, prior to the actual film. It's called um, The Past. And it's about like a couple trying to finalize a divorce in France. Um, and it's really interesting. But the reason that it this film um, makes me think about his work is because one of the like one of the most uh, important aspects of like making movies about these sorts of issues is like you have to like pay attention to the detail like when it comes to people's personalities and the you know like how unpredictable folks can be when you enter into a relationship like people can still change their mind they can do things because they're just being selfish they can say like oh like never mind they can be thinking about something else completely different like and it just happens like that you know and so this i think this film really captured that and i always like films that do that in a way that feels feels true to life like i really appreciate that about films when it just feels feels really genuine like that yeah, so then I guess last question, what would you recommend for people to watch? K K film or otherwise? Like what's 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 something that's been on your mind? Mm, I think that um there's so many uh like I think that again with Ascar for Harvey, I think you got to watch the past. That's a great film. I love that film so much. It's a favorite. Another good film by him is The Separation um, and about Ely. Um, I think After the Storm, a uh, Japanese film. Also, again, another film that's dealing with uh, um, a relationship that once was and uh, this couple getting stuck in a house together during a tsunami and having to talk about their past, um, you know, relationship and what, you know, went wrong and this, that, and the third. Um, ooh, there's more, I have to think. We talked already, obviously, about Anarchist from Colony. That's a great film. Um, Assassination was a good film, too, like I said, recently watched. Um, you know, it's funny, I've watched so much K film at this point that like I actually don't remember all of the film. Like I've watched a lot 
Like I've watched so I can, many that I, I can really, I can really attest to this. There's a lot of text messages where I've gotten where I'm like, no, I don't know what historical drama you're talking about. Oh, there's, there's like, so many. I know, there's so many. Fortress one and the Admiral one. Like, <laughs> like we should have, we should have talked about the Handmaiden at some point too, because oh, um, yeah. obviously that was a, that was huge. I love that. Um, yeah, that was huge. Uh, the sex scenes were not as sincere as these sex scenes, but um, but like you know. I wasn't mad. I mean, I was actually really irritated by all the white women writing op eds about like why like they didn't like them. I was like, I actually feel like it's kind of important. They were important because it's like it's important to know they had lesbian sex. Okay, like it's important to know that this isn't like a real good friendship. Like. Like, you know, like I felt like, like, like if we, if the, if he approached it K-drama style where like things were just like insinuated, like things could have gone kind of haywire in a different sense. Um, are, were they like perfect scenes? Like, no, but I wasn't like, they need to go. It's all for no purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that movie... <sighs> It's got a year as the title. It's 1980. It's about the uprising. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1987, was it? Is it 87? I think that might be it. And there's also... Um, uh, yeah, it's 1987 when the day comes. That's what it was. And there's also The Wall. That film... <sighs> love that one. Like, Kim, Kim, are you going to watch The Fortress and The Wall? You know I'm not. <laughs> is it called the fortress or is it called the wall? Um, I'm pretty sure it was called the fortress, but I don't know in English anyway. I'm not sure. Yeah, I watched that one. Uh, yeah, it's the fortress. You're right, it's the fortress. See, this is what I'm talking about. I started confusing names. There's the fortress. I like that film, and then there was um, that that film with the same actor. Uh, from Memories and from A Taxi Driver. He has that uh, this new film on Netflix where he plays this drug kingpin. Um, I can't think of the name of uh, that film, but it was, it was okay. It was, it was definitely borrowing a lot from like U.S. Uh, drug kingpin movies. Like I definitely felt like there were some scenes that were lifted from Scarface for sure. Is so, it called The Drug King? I think that might be it. Let me, let me, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's the drug king, the drug king. That film, I was like, okay, y'all, like, come on now. Like, cause I've seen all the, like, mob movies. I've seen, like, all the, like, drug king pen, like, movies like that in the U.S. And it's like, I was recognizing a lot of scenes, like, a lot of scenes and a lot of, like, tropes from those movies. I was just kind of like, okay, this is, a little bit extra at times but thank you so much for being on our show william it was amazing thank you for having me i hope that y'all will have me back to talk about more we would love to have you back there's clearly so many things that we will be watching and we will not be watching <laughs> <laughs> we will have you back so that we I can mean, talk about why men are cowards part two yeah. I mean, hey, there we go. We're I ready. I can always talk about that. I think that is just like really great that y'all had me on because I never get to talk about fun stuff. 
I spend so much of my time talking about really, really upsetting and heavy subjects. And so it's really nice of y'all to have me on to talk about film. You know, I love film. I love music. I, but it's just like, never get to like, just, you know, do stuff like this. So this is really great. And I really appreciate both of you. It's been great. Thank you so much for being here. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>